You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. This episode is sponsored by Ether Diamonds, the world's most sustainable diamonds and the only diamonds that are actually good for the planet. And this is important because a lot of people out there, including my wife, have a very negative view thanks to Conflict Diamonds, but Ether creates the world's first positive impact diamonds made from air through a process that removes harmful air pollution, captures the carbon from it, and retasks that carbon to a higher purpose and they're one-of-a-kind diamonds. What that means is these are 100% real diamonds with a real impact. In fact, every carat of Ether Diamonds offsets your personal carbon footprint for over a year. They're some of the highest quality diamonds you can buy and certified by IGI, the world's largest independent laboratory for testing and grading gemstones and fine jewelry, which has been around for almost 50 years. So when we're talking about legitimacy, it doesn't get any better. Now you're no longer stuck having to choose between mined and regular lab-grown diamonds, both of which harm the environment. Ether offers the only true sustainable diamonds on the market requiring no ethical or environmental trade-offs. They're the only guilt-free diamonds available in the world, and that's major. So to learn more about these revolutionary diamonds from AIR, visit their website at etherdiamonds.com. That's ether, A-E-T-H-E-R, with an A-E. And follow on social media at Ether Diamonds. I would also like to welcome my second sponsor. This episode is also brought to you by Manscaped. Let me be honest with you, there isn't a man out there that hasn't nicked his pouch while shaving. Sorry to be so graphic and straight to the point, but if you've been there, you know why I wanted to partner up with the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. And now is the best time to talk to you guys about this because they just introduced the Lawnmower 4.0. The 4.0 and I'm one of the first people to try it, and I am impressed. It's next level. How, you ask? Listen up, all you men who shave with the same nut trimmer on your face, you nasty so-and-sos. Manscaped engineered the ultimate grown and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys and my listeners. That's you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Beethoven's at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code Beethoven's. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. I am a bedroom. Beethoven. <laughs> Welcome, people of Earth, to episode 136 of the podcast. Baby, I'm home, I'm home, I'm home. My guest this week is... My name is uh, Illa J. Uh, I'm a singer, songwriter, rapper, producer from uh, Michigan, uh, Detroit, Michigan. People might know me because first off might because of my brother uh, he's a amazing producer uh, by the name of uh james yancey aka jay dilla maybe you might know the joint i did with uh robert glasper and miles, miles davis yeah i'm a sing, singer songwriter i'm a chill dude and i'm a stoner and i like making music <laughs> i don't know what
John Yancey, aka Illa J, is in the house this week to talk about the aftermath of Dilla Fest, creating new work in the legacy of his brother Jay Dilla. Been wanting him on the podcast for years and finally able to make it happen. The stars have aligned. Look, if this is your first time on the podcast, I don't give people their flowers. I don't I don't rank hip-hop records from the 90s. I don't romanticize the golden age of music. These are straight conversations with creative people. So if you like what I do, if you enjoy the talks, consider supporting the show by subscribing to the podcast wherever it is you get podcasts. And patreon.com slash bedroombeethovens is the quickest, easiest way to support me. A buck or two gives you early access to episodes, and man, it just boosts me up. Man, if I get an email saying I got a new Patreon, it might as well be my birthday. I appreciate the love and support. My heart goes out to the people of Louisiana who are being displaced by the hurricane. And with everything else going on in the world, maybe shutting off our brains, not looking at the news, and pressing play on a podcast is exactly what we need. Maybe. Maybe not. But you're here. And I thank you. Shout out to J57, the 5-7 Collective, my support system, my homies, I appreciate you. Let's start the show. Blessings. And uh, I did want to say, you know, congrats on getting married. Um, I know your your wife is a very talented no, visual sure. artist, and uh, sure, now you know I wouldn't normally ask this question. I feel like a, a a woman might be more curious, but given the the Yancey boys' legacy, you know, with your father Dilla and now you, the Yancey boy legacy could continue if you guys were talking about kids. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, man. That, that's funny. I always uh, thought about that because I'm like, it's literally just like me because it's like um you know it, i mean not not on sad no but it's just what it is uh you know like my both my blood my blood brothers passed so and my dad so it's just me so it's like so like that would be the next it would have to be me that would have to make the next Yancey boys <laughs> no pressure no pressure <laughs> yeah well you're uh you know I, I know you're your your worst critic when it comes to your own production and there hasn't been a lot of your stuff like released officially like i i even heard that beat that you posted on instagram a few weeks ago and it, and it's great so like you know a whole album with you singing and rapping on production duties at this stage in your life would you would you craft something that, like that you know what's funny that's literally what's happening right now this is literally what's happening uh shout out to my boy adam one so uh like we have a production duo but like i produce myself but like basically long story short um when i was like you know i was living in montreal for a while uh and I, when i was there i had a, a band called the martians and um adam one was one of the producers from it like we were on the because it was like three of us were like more on the production side of it and then um shout out to uh fauna and lek that one of them was a bass player and was a singer uh but like three of us were like really part of the production. And so we always stay working, 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 working. And then even now I live in Vegas and he lives in Montreal and we still work like all the time. So pretty much we have a whole project that's us both producing, but like I'm doing all the vocals. So it's like, it's kind of like a solo album, but it's not. Cause it's like, it's, a, it's our squad kind of doing our thing. You know what I mean? We doing our thing, but it's like half of it will be like his production. And then like half will be like my production and I'm doing vocals on all of it. But um, yeah, it's fun, man. It's like, and I and it's cool doing it as a duo too because then people can't throw the same uh, darts at us as a duo as they could throw at me. Because <laughs> like you know what I mean, as far as like the whole like comparison whole thing, like if it's like the whole comparison thing, they can't really pin that because now it's, it's you got to talk to us as a duo. 
<laughs> so, but but again, like I um, it's it's um, it's fun like doing a lot of different stuff. I'm still doing vocal stuff with Calvin, where where like projects where Calvin is the main producer and I'm just songwriting. So it's like Calvin, I'm like you know that's really who all who I work with. It's really just Calvin Valentine and Adam One. Like I really don't work with a lot of people nowadays. So because like I because like you were saying, like I, I produce and all that stuff. So for me, it was just more of a thing of like. You know, it, like I, I had like the biggest shoes to fill as it, when it comes to producing. You know what I mean? If anyone, it, it was like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like your brother is like the greatest of all time. It's like, oh shit! So it's like, <laughs> like you know, you know what I mean? Like it's literally like I was, I was chilling with um, uh, shout out to Beach by Jay Black, super dope uh, finger drummer. He was like, sorry, bro. He was like, sorry, your bro's a legend. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, man, but your bro's a legend. And, and it's one of those things. It's like, yo, that's it's just what it is. You know what I mean? Like James just. You know, James is crazy with it. So it's just like, um, but like, I'm thankful for that just because I have nowhere to go but up. Because at the end of the day, like I, to me, my I'm an old school. So for me, like, I feel like I'm an old school, like earning my stripes t- type of vibe with me. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to earn your levels. Like nothing is entitled to me. You know what I mean? Like each level that I earned in my career, I feel like I have to, you know, I have to work for that. Like, you know, and my brother wasn't here to, even though I have like a lot of, contacts and things like that you know being in the industry you know that that can only go so far like you know what i mean like it after that is really your work ethic and your time you know, i was so. gonna ask you about that because like you know your brother lent erica a tarika blue record that she sampled dream flower and it ended up becoming didn't you know off mama's gun and then i remember you saying like oh it would be a personal goal for me to have erica badu on our record and i think the elephant in the room would be like well can't you just call her up and then kind of piggyback <laughs> off the efforts of your brother, but you don't do that. So I, I, I like that you have a clear outline to where you, his relationships with these artists are different than your relationships and, and not in a negative way, but the dynamic is based off respect and you don't want to piggyback off that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I, um, I was talking with Frank, uh, from Frank and Dank about that the other day, like those are bros. Um, and I, I was saying like, it's a lot of people if they were in my shoes, like, like, cause I'm just saying, like, if you think about, I could, I could have used as many of my brother's beats as I wanted to, like, in my career. Like, I've had a lot of years I could have just used as many. I could have just went through the list and just ate up all of the beats, like, <laughs> if I wanted to, you know what I mean? But it's like, like, my goal was to create my own lane, so cause, like, for me, I respect the craft, so I respect what my my brother did. So I want, you know what I mean? I want to build my own my own lane, so people can respect me in my own light, not just like someone just like, oh, well, he's just using his brother stuff. So it's like, you know, it's like, no, nah, we are. Cause, cause for me, like part of that was like, not only just for me, but to represent my family. Cause it's so many talented musicians in my family. So it's not like, it's just like, it's like, oh yeah. It's like, like, no, nah, it's like my, my parents came together through music. So it's like, we literally grew up in a family of music. So it's just like, it's just a natural, literally it's just a natural thing in the household. So it's like, um, but yeah, it's it's um, I, I'm pretty sure like um, I went off topic or whatever I was what I was talking about. <laughs> well, I, I think bringing it back though, you, I mean, because you just wrapped up Dillafest, and I actually watched your performance. You started it when it was daylight, and when your set ended, you performed right through the nighttime, and I watched it all. I thought it was a great performance. Yeah, first just being on stage again is just dope. Like I um for the last year or so, like you know, it's like. I've been in a whole nother world as far as like, you know, I've been investing and like all kind of other stuff. Cause I mean, I was, I was investing before that, but like once everything happened, I jumped into, I jumped a lot more into investing and stuff like that just because I didn't, you know, it's a lot of things. I, I just took advantage of things I couldn't do when I wasn't on tour. So like, I didn't look at it 
edit as a negative. It was just more like for me, like, okay, cool. Now I got time to do all this other shit that like I wanted to do, but like I was on tour. So it was like, you know what I mean? I couldn't balance it all. You know what I mean? So like I got a lot better as an investor, especially this year. It's like the market's been so up and down. So like uh, it's kind of really dope learning in the market like that. Cause then like when it's a more stable market, like you can damn near do whatever the hell you want. Like once you like been in a, like a crazy, like this year's crazy. I'm I'm happy to be like fully back in my music and like that show was like like things like that pull you back in like not that you were ever out of it because like music is my love but it's one of those things where it's like you have times in your career where it's like depend you know it's like because like, you gotta have regular life too it's like it's not just like music and then it's like you know you got like you gotta have that balance you know and I I think that's what I learned um, from this whole pandemic thing was that they I need to take more breaks like that off like more often like you know like you know get a bunch of music creativity out and then just take a break and then come back to my career and then like i said like the dilla fest event which i keep i keep <laughs> jumping off the topic but like uh what's so dope about that is um just appreciating the the, the performance part of it you know what i mean it's just like that it's just a whole nother level like i've been don't get me wrong i'm, I'm having fun making beats in the lab but like like the the performance part of it, being in front of people and having that that interaction, that's just, it's just a whole nother level. It's just a whole nother level to it. Um, so it's just like just being on stage was just dope. And um, honestly, it's it's trippy because it's like you know what I mean to see like you know it's fifteen years you know since uh, my bro's passed and to see his legacy still growing, still getting bigger and bigger. So it's like you know it's just. You know, it's crazy. Like music is truly like time. Yeah, like the, the purpose yeah. of Dillafest. Like if I had a pie chart and I split it into two pieces, what percentage would be honoring your brother and what percentage would be introducing his music to a new generation of fans? I would say half and half. Like, I would say because like it's like because I feel like it's in a sense it's, it's half and half. And like in that obviously it's a, a lot of his core fans there that known him since the tribe days and you know, the far side, all that stuff. But then it's a lot of newer people learning about him each year and, and younger people and stuff. So it's like, um, I would say, I, I mean, I, I don't want to be exact on the percentages, but it, like, it's definitely a lot of both. Like, you know what I mean? A lot of new generation uh, fans of, of him and um, especially producers. Uh, like nowadays, like, you know, everyone has an NPC. More more people have NPCs than ever now. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, and he's definitely a big part of that. It's like, it's not even one of those things where I have to be like, well, maybe I'm overstating myself. Like, no, he's definitely a big part of that for sure. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I'm seeing, yeah. I'm seeing your brother getting placed on like Snoop Dogg CDs now. And it's just like, man, that's, that's good for the, the new fans, you know? Cause like my friend is a teacher at a high school and he said that he played, uh, Dr. Dre's the chronic on the last day of school before summer. And th- he thought he was going to get like some cool points. Uh, he played next episode. And like none of the kids knew what it was, so I was like, "Oh my god!" If these Gen wow. Z kids don't know about Nate Dogg and Dr. Dre, man, what chances Dilla have? You know, the Soulquarians and every respected musician under the sun knows about the genius of your brother, but maybe a festival like Dilla Dilla Fest can be like a vehicle to make new fans. You know, like like when the baby uh, didn't know who Questlove was on Instagram. You know, like stuff like that. It, man, it gives me chest pains. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not their fault because it's like a lot of. It, a lot of it is what's put out in front of us. And like in the last so many years, it's like, it, it's just different how it was in, in the 90s. I feel like um, more, I don't know, it was more, uh, I don't know how to say it, but more diverse musical acts was kind of put in your face, like in the mainstream. And now I feel like they put so much of the, I mean, again, it's like, it feel like it's a loop what I'm saying. Everyone says it, but it, it's just what it is. It's one of those things where they put out, like they're, they're starting to change that a little bit, but like they only put 
in our face so many artists and you have to find out about all those other artists that are like you know breaking the rules and doing new shit you know um but um but again i mean like i like I, I, it's just different generations. Like, like our generation, we didn't have access to everything, so we appreciate things just a little bit more. It's just what it is. They have everything in their face. Like, they could listen to whatever song they want to for free. So it's just like, like you know what I mean? Like, we didn't. You had to buy that CD. So it's like, <laughs> um, it's just a different world, man. I, I know your musical journey kind of started with jazz. The next thing I wanted to talk about is. Uh, I want to talk about that. Like what kind of jazz were your parents listening to that you were always an earshot away from that influenced you? Um, acapella, like vocal, like vocal, vocal, like a lot of vocal jazz, like, um, acapella groups and like, um, you know, like, uh, Manhattan transfers. Um, uh, it's, uh, the double six of Paris, uh, Lambert Hendrix and Ross. And like, you know, so like these classic vocal jazz groups is like, like, you know, it's like, like, you know, that, that type of shit. So that's like. <laughs> and be welcome to stay. Be welcome to stay. Be welcome to stay. Be welcome to stay. That's the type of shit I came I came up on. So when you combine that with like I was in the choir like from since I was like six, like you know, from like six to like thirteen, like you know, rehearsal, I go to rehearsal with my parents Tuesdays and then Friday I would have a, like the youth rehearsal, then we all sing in church and sat on Sunday and stuff. So it's like um with the combination of all of that, it makes sense that like I'm able to like um put harmonies together as far as with voices and stuff. I've been hearing nothing but voices acapella <laughs> like since i was a kid like because uh, my parents they had an acapella jazz group actually um too so it's like they they would rehearse in the living room so you would just hear them harmonizing like you know no music just their voices and stuff so yeah that was honestly the more i think about that that was such as a vocalist i couldn't have had a better training like as far as like not only just training my uh voice but training my ear growing up yeah, because I, I don't know if this is correct, but wasn't your mom kind of like the, the musical black sheep of the family that the Yancey legacy actually doesn't go too deep. It kind of starts when your mom and your father met and it went from there. Like your your dad has nine siblings and I don't know how many went off to work in the music industry. Well, actually, it's actually opposite. It's actually my dad. He's that dude, actually. He ghost wrote uh, It's a Shame by the Spinners. Yep, yep, yep. And like he like uh, like like he had like one of his cousins, uh, Robert Mickens, uh, was a he rest in peace. Like he played, uh, was it trumpet or uh, so it was a sax or trumpet for uh, Earth, um, um, <sighs> cooling the game. <laughs> my bad, I was like, uh, but like you know, like there's a lot of music on my dad's side. Like both of his parents, both of his parents played like uh, silent piano for like movies back then. Like because like yeah, I think my dad he was like. He was up there, like he was born in 1932. So his parents were like up there too. So like, yeah, his, his both his parents play piano and like, like yeah, he's like he's like that dude and like he's the one that got my brother into James Brown and you know and, and I, again like people forget like that's that's why James has such a we like our field comes from like my my dad loves James Brown so it's like the with that that feel that just that funk you know what i mean james brown is the you know other people have done it but no one has done it like james brown like if you ever want to re- refresh uh 
like what funk is, you just go back to James Brown. You know what I mean? And, and James had a very good understanding of funk coming from like, you know, that's one of my dad's favorite artists. Like even even mystical, like my dad liked mystical because his voice was similar to James, like how he, you know, yelling stuff, you know what I mean? So it's like that's how my like, you know, my dad really loved James Brown. But like that's I think that I think that influenced us a lot because like my I'm very rhythmically I'm just as much rhythmically driven as I am melodically. It's just that I'm again the jazz thing that that shows you like the melodic side. So that's like how I learned my ears. So it's like any other type of melody. If I heard jazz first, then it's like pop and R and B is easy. You know what I mean? Because it's like it's the same chords the whole song. But like jazz, like you know, it'll go from here dun, 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 and then you you somewhere else in another like scale or some shit like <laughs> but like r&b and pop is like super easy but like like but like i said melodically that's easy because like the choir and jazz but rhythmically it's like changed around it's just like it's just i don't know it's just it's, it's a feeling it's like i just like how that feels like the when you listen to this music like the anticipation you know and it's all a live jam it's yeah it's crazy well, my knee-jerk reaction when someone mentioned something like Motown, you, you mentioned James Brown's funk. When I think Motown, I think soul. But really, Motown is like pop music when you really analyze it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really, it's like, it's, yeah, it, it literally is, actually, when you think about that. And, and also going back, like, just to go back real quick, like, to my mom. So it's like, so my dad was like, like, they, well, that's the thing. They both were music, though. They both were music. So my mom was like a really dope singer. Like she's like a, like she studied like opera, so her voice is like really crazy, <laughs> like like for real. Like she has like super range in her voice and stuff. So it's like, like I know for sure. Like, like I I, I definitely sound a little like my dad, my voice, but I'm pretty sure a lot of my range and stuff comes from my mom. So it's like, like I'm a mixture of both of them when it comes to like the singing, because they both were like really good singers. Like, like um, like a lot of people used to say, my dad sound like Sam Cooke. That's like that's why I actually named that song that sound. I mean, my song Sam Cooke that just kind of like a tribute to my dad. Looking for the right situation, occupation, sick of wasting so much time, no more wait. Get these fucking bills paid. Sam Cooke to the meals made. I wasn't sleeping in a still that was his favorite singer and like yeah people would say his voice sounded like that so it's kind of crazy but like yeah i'm like like singing wise i'm a mixture of my mom and my mom and my pops was singing like salute to my mom it's like she she can get up there she can hit them high notes <laughs> my, my, my dad worked with a, with a lot of peeps in in in, in, in like the motown because like he stayed because this is like he stayed right around the corner growing up like uh they they stayed in the black bottom in Detroit, right? And my dad stayed around the corner from Smokey Robinson. You know what I mean? So it's just like like when they were coming up, like they were all in the same area and shit. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it, it's just trippy when it's like when you think about like how many it's like what was in the air at that time. Like so many like you know what I mean? It was so many talented musicians coming out of that time. And, and then again, that's that's perfect because it ties into the other question about Motown and like that whole, like, I don't know. It's like, it's trippy when you think about that. Like uh, people don't, cause like, I feel like people skip over that when they talk about Motown, but like, when you really think about it, like Detroit is a, such a major part of where pop music is now. Like it's, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. It's like, yo, like Motown is like, it's a bit, it's a nice foundation of that. 
because then everybody else just start trying to make shit like Motown. <laughs> yeah, that's where it starts for sure. Uh, it's funny. It's like uh, I, I guess if I'm focusing back on you, like uh, Young RJ, uh, he came through and he told me that he those produced a few tracks on Fantastic Volume Two, which would put him at like teenager age, and he, and he said it was hard. Like they, the people that were in the room didn't sugarcoat it. If it was whack, they told you. So going back to your earliest work with your brother, you did a track with him when you were 13. Was that a similar experience? Like, was it so labor intensive as a 13 year old? You were like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on basketball for a bit. Maybe I'll come back to this later. No, not even that. Honestly, I think it was just like, it's just what it is. You're young. I still got school and shit. So it's like, <laughs> if I could have just dropped out of just school at that time and just like, fuck it, I'm going to just do music. Like I would have just honestly did it, you know what I mean? But I, you know, it's just like you know they want me to go to school and go to college and like you know they wanted because like I think he wanted me to have somewhat of a normal life a little bit to kind of like you know because he he like you know so I know that you know him and my, my mom tell because my mom was with him all of those years of his last days when you know he was sick and stuff and you know they they talked a lot about me and I know that like my mom was telling me like yeah like he knew that I was like going to eventually get the music bug and, and it's the same i have like i have niece uh a niece my my sister's daughter and she can sing really good and um it's one of those things i don't force her with it it's just more like i know she'll get she's going to get to a point where she realizes that oh shit i have this gift like i should be using it you know what i mean it'll like i'd rather it come naturally and me like trying to make her do it and i feel like my brother had the same approach with me like he didn't want me to be he didn't want to be on me like that with it but like the way it started was i it was both of my brothers in the studio, my brother James, my brother Earl. And I'd always been writing. I was writing since I was like eight or nine, like writing little poems and stuff. And then my, I would hear my sister's poetry and eventually I just started writing songs. And one time I was in, I don't know, I just had the courage that day. I don't know what it was, but I had the courage to say, like, I'm in the basement with both my bros. And uh, I just I just decided to just say my little rap. You know what I mean? He was like, yo, that's dope. And yeah, like that was his first time having me come to the studio, like, he had a limo pick me up and all that shit. Went to the studio and that was my first actual studio session. Like you know, like I wish I had done it more while he was here and stuff. But you know, I mean, you can't get you know. It's just what it is. But at the same time, though, it's like uh, it's one of those things I always forget when I look back. Like yo, like I don't need a fucking cosign. Like he, my brother already cosigned me when I was a fucking kid. So it's like it's like when I overthink it about like dang, like like you know people who fuck with it's like yo your brother already co-signed you he's a legend so fuck that shit like you know I'm, without, again i'm older now i'm just getting to that point you know what i mean when i was younger the pressure would overwhelm me more when i would think about people's opinions on my career and all that shit and as a grown-ass man i was like yo it's like what the fuck am i gonna do like i like be unborn differently like yo your brother's a legend that's what he does and you and you just got to show them like yo it's not it's a whole talented family that's it. It's not just like, oh, just and that's the thing. It's not just music. It's like like uh, I was talking to uh, salute to the homie Dan Charnis. I was talking to him and uh, he's actually writing a book. Right. Well, um, my, my brother, a really dope book. Um, and he was just telling me, like, one thing I noticed, like interviewing a fam is like it's not just necessarily just a music thing. It's just that, like, y'all just good at shit. <laughs> It's 
not even it's not even a, it's not a cocky thing it's not a it's just more like like for me my personality i'm a super nerd if i really like something i'm going to learn it to the best of my ability so i can do it dope you know what i mean it's not even like a cocky thing it's just more like okay i really like this thing this is kind of cool let me continue let me just do it and get better and better at it and that's it it's not even a, um you know what I mean? Because for me, it's about the, again, it comes back to like the love for, like, I really like making music. Like, to me, it's still surreal that it's like, like, at some point, it's like, it's like we kids, we are playing and shit. And then at some point, everybody got jobs and shit. And then I'm the one that's still like making music and shit. It's like, I'm like, you know what I mean? It's trippy, man. It's really trippy because like, it makes me thankful for it. Like, because that's, it's not, it's really rare to be able to just do music and shit. Like, I wake up and like, dang, let me, uh, make a beat today or some shit. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's a blessing because it's like, it's a lot of people that are trying to pursue music and, you know what I mean? It's hard It's hard to, like, actually, like, really do it where you just make music and shit. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's a crazy journey, man. <laughs> I always think about, uh, like, like, when your career is over and then people want to analyze it with, like, documentaries and stuff, you know, which they could do on your brother quite easily. I know you're like like you're a Michael Jordan fan. Did the last dance change your perspective of, of him? Because I know a lot of people who looked up to him, maybe that two hour piece of film can like warp the way you perceive somebody, even though like he's just, you know, the best of all time. You know, so for me as a huge Jordan fan, honestly, I just respected him more. Like it, it ain't do nothing but make me, me, me respect him even more. It was nothing that if you're already a Jordan fan, you already expected him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, he cussing out his teammates. Yeah, <laughs> like it's Jordan. What? Like you know what I mean? The whole, the whole. Hey, man. Like I, I'm like uh, the whole like Republicans about Jordans and all these different things. And like you know what I mean? Like people try to use anything they can to taint someone's legacy, but you can't take away how Jordan did it. No one did it like Jordan did it. No one will ever do it like Jordan did it. It hit the how he like it's a, if you go on YouTube, it's a lot of um LeBron fans reacting to Jordan videos and they're like tripping out. It's like dang, it's crazy. I get it though. It's like shit, like you know, because he he it's just what it is. People still wearing his shoes today. Yeah, LeBron got shoes out, but more people wearing Jordans. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, like, yo, it's just what it is. You can't take away. Like, it's not like when Dr. J came and then Jordan came and then Jordan became the new king. Like, no, Jordan still is Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> Ninth Wonder posted something on Instagram last week that Michael Jordan played all 82 games of a season nine times. And for perspective, Kobe only did that four times. And he played 18 games with a broken foot. So you add in the playoffs, he won in 91, 92, the Summer Olympics in 92, another win in 93. That's 300 games in three years. And for perspective, like just by comparison, like you couldn't run a half a mile in December. That's how hard something like that is. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like people like to focus on rings and championships, but that's work ethic. You know, same for the music. Like your brother finished 90% of an album in a hospital bed. That's a different level of work ethic. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And and I actually, um, I mentioned, as I mentioned this a few times, it's like, this is one of those things that like, always like, uh, just so people understand, like, I, like my view on shit is like, um, like I, I I got an honorable mention paper like when I was like in um, middle school and uh, my paper was about Michael Jordan and my brother and what I wrote about them my my whole paper was about their work ethic and shit so like it, it's crazy because that's exactly it it's like they um what I learned from my brother is 
you want to do some shit? Okay, do it though. You know what I mean? Like, and you can't like, okay, it's like, for example, I hit up people, right? If I, if I need questions, if I have questions about something, I'm trying to pursue something, you know what I mean? But at the same time, though, you also, you also already have to take some steps. You just can't, you can't ask someone. I think sometimes people get twisted, like, and ask them for help. It's okay to ask for help, but it's like, I'm not going to tell you the whole fucking blueprint. You know what I mean? I'm just like, you know, <laughs> like, like when I'm asking for something, like, for example, like I'm, I'm figuring out some shit with my sense and how my, my studio set up. I hit up the homies and I'm like, yo, you try this. But like, the thing is, I've already tried a few things. I'm not asking them to tell me their blueprint. I'm just more like, yo, so I tried it with two midi cores and I tried it with the other one. Like, what you think, bro? Like, you know, I've already tried the methods and they can say, oh yeah, like I, I'm giving them something already to start with. Not just like, hey man, uh, can you set up my studio for me? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, you gotta like, it's a, it's a, it's a give and receive. It's not just take, take, take. And I, and I feel like it, it's just what it is when you're younger. Sometimes people, you, you're thinking take, 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 just cause you trying to, you need to get on. Like it, like when you're younger, it's just like me, me, me. I need this. Like, it's like, and then you get older. It's like, it's almost like, I, it's like, even though I'm older, I feel like I have that much more time. It's like, yo, should I, I'm going to just take one step, one, one step at a time. Just do it right. Instead of like me younger, you're just like, ah, oh, I just need to like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, man. I, I definitely jumped off topic, but like, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> is that kind of is that is that kind of like you know, when when you started the Martians, is that was that kind of like an exercise in being able to collaborate with other people and kind of get away from that me, me, me? Like, was that a harder venture than you originally thought it was gonna be due to like all those personalities? It's actually dope because that's uh that ties into like what where what I'm doing now. So like um my my um so my next my next project so I got two solo projects that that um that's in the coming. So I have one solo project but it's a duo. So it's a duo between me and Adam One. And um Adam One's actually from the Martians. He's in my band, the Martians, right? So like we had a production duo together because like I said we've been making records together for years and basically I would always like of all the, of all the people in the crew, I would go to this crib more and we would always like make more records. Like even after like the session was over, sometimes I would stay over. We would make another song and shit. Um, and uh, we, we just happened to have a project. And that's basically how we did our pr- first project, um, The Bakery, which is out on. Um, that's the first. It was a, it was an EP we put out in 2019, I think. And it's called The Bakery. And uh, that was actually joints that it was just left over from the martian sessions and shit but that was joints that just happened to be just me and shit because we would like i said we would it's a singer in the martians and she would uh whenever she wasn't in the studio we would just be making solo joints for me but like not even for a purpose just literally just making songs just to make songs and shit so that's kind of how the whole illusion and adam one thing started from us being in the band together and just always continuing to make music together and now we even though he's in montreal i live in uh i live with i'm like west coast in the states like we literally um making music all the time like we actually just um finished the joint now sent it off to get mastered um it'll be out next month october i mean october 8th yeah supposed to come out well i think that's the day i don't want to be say specifically but i'm pretty sure that's the day october 8th that that'll be the first single of our our new project it was dope It, it just shows you how timeless music is when it comes to recording music and it's like a lesson for all artists honestly like like sometimes you had, you think you had a song and it, it might not do anything. And then later on, some special things happen with it. So it's a joint called French Kiss. It's on it's on my album, um, Illa J, produced by Potato People. When we first made the song, it was just me on it. And then during the process of the album, we got Fife on it. But then what ended up happening was 
the version with Fife went on. We just made a deal with, okay, well, I have my version of my album. Then on Fife's project, he'll have version. You know, and then that's that's the version with both of us on it. You know what I mean? So that was already out. Uh, it was it was one on my my album, and then Fife had a uh, he had a Serato vinyl with that as one of the uh, songs on it, right? And then um, just earlier this year, uh, say that people we did they they did a remix of the song, still using the same verse and everything, same verses, but they did a remix of the beat, and then that, they released this fall, and then fucking uh, Redman jumped on it, so now. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy another version of it like so it's just like it's kind of trippy like that song literally has one and that's the thing with Fife it's two versions of the Fife of the original Fife one so like I'll never forget this story he called me and uh, he spit 32 bars over the phone to me like Fife rapping 32 bars on my phone I'll never forget that I was like I was living in Montreal at the time and the original version we had to extend the beat because you know you usually do 16s with rap he had 32 bar verse yo so like <laughs> Salute the fight, man. Rest in peace, man. 32 bar verse. Yeah. But they just end up making it a 16. Uh, you just end up making it a 16 instead or whatever. So technically it's one, two, three, four. This is the fifth version of the song. And it's like six years later. Like that's crazy. But like, I mean, I'm 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 thankful. Like, you know, like what's the chances that Red Man jump on this joint six years later? Like when I, you know what I mean? When we initially made this song. We didn't even think Fife would be on it at first. So, like, let alone Fife and have Redman on it. Like, man, that's awesome, man. But like I said, that show that goes to show you, you never, like, put those songs out there, man. You never know what might happen with some song. Like, you know, like that's crazy. I mean, you know, your debut is going to be called Timeless. So that concept must must be strong because, like, you know, 13 years later, if you listen to it now, it's it would still be relevant in today's landscape. That stuff doesn't age. But you know what it is, though, too? I feel like what it is is when... The most timeless music is when people, when it's the most genuine, because what happens is if you, if you're specifically trying to craft something specifically for a time period, then later on, then it'll feel like it's specifically for that time period. So it'll, it'll sound dated. If you listen to it 10 years later and say like, yeah, that's, that's super dated. But like when you making something that's just genuinely in the moment, like even if you use elements of that time period, but it's, it's genuine, it's like, it's not like. I'm not trying to do this just because everyone's doing it right now. I'm just doing some genuine feeling. It'll last longer than shit. So it's like, and that album, like, I didn't even know what the album was when I made that. Like, it's just more like, I'm excited doing my first album. So it's like, I feel like that's why it's so raw because it is, it is what it is. It's like, I'm not trying to make it anything. I'm just like, this is a kid trying to pay tribute to his bro and also introduce himself as artist, like all at the same time. So yeah, man. I'm like, I don't know. I'm proud when I look back. Like, I, I for for a lot of years I was disappointed because I thought I was like a flop. You know what I mean? So like, when I look back, I'm like, yeah, I'm, that was actually a su- successful album for your first album, never being in the industry, and with the pressure of having a brother that's a fucking legend. Like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, I actually did good, actually. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I wish me and Potato Head people talked more about th- those kind of tunes. I, I think we spent like half the conversation talking about bowling and shit so uh <laughs> oh I'm, I'm, shit oh shit did you what did y'all talk about perfect game or like <laughs> yeah i they i think they called you mr profile jr so yeah uh, mr pro yeah because my dad had a nickname i have a tattoo of uh bowling pants on my arm so like i like legit like like we like on some bowling shit right <laughs> like for real used to bowl after a choir rehearsal on tuesdays when i go with my parents they had a uh, they had a, a adult league. They would go to the bowling league, so we go then. And then everybody 
after choir rehearsal, we would go bowling on Friday. And then I had a, I had a youth league on um, on Saturday. Like, it was, like, serious. And then we would all go bowling Sunday. Like, I was, like, good, like, 200 average, like, consistently. Like, I could still get there. Like, if I had a – if uh, if I had some new bowling balls, I, I would definitely be able to, like, still get back there. If I bowled for, like, a few weeks in a row, I'll get my average back up fast. Like, yeah, like – like it's that serious. I have a tattoo of it, like literally of some bowling fans on my arm. That's how much we used to bowl. Like, because I know they were in Canadian leagues, but they haven't been able to bowl because of COVID. So their game's rusty. You might want to post up on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I I just want to say, like, I, I know that you're you're working on uh, you know, your music, your health, and uh, you, you know, you're newly married, and I, I just I feel like I'm. I'm uh, talking to you at like the, the, the happiest time in your life, the most productive, just like, just like at a good crossroads, man. So I'm, I'm yeah, happy. We're, I'm happy. We're just able to sit down and make this happen. Oh man. Appreciate that, man. Honestly, it, it, it really is like, um, like it's surreal to be like, like at that point where it's just like, I, I just like fully at peace. Like at this point, it's just now it's just like, I don't know. I, I look at until you get to a point where you're financially stable, then it's hard to be, completely free with it because in in some way you got to kind of do certain things to get a bag it's just what it is like you got to eat so it's like but once you get to a point where the you're stable enough then you can focus on the music so much freer because you're not thinking about bills or anything else you're just thinking about okay i just want to be creative and have fun and enjoy this shit you know what i mean always down to have a dope like real conversation and shit because like you know it's always like a lot of times you do interviews and it's like the same typical shit i like when it's like it feels like a conversation rather than like an interview you know what i mean like like because you know what i mean it's like a, like it is an interview but it's not you know it's really a convo it's like yo like i want to chop it up with you about this on, on my platform really that's, the that's goal. it it's really a conversation though that's the goal yeah man yeah man that's dope man